Hello once again, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views Podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and we're coming to you as the New York Giants return from their bye week to face the Chicago Bears in what for them will be a Week 12 matchup as the Giants play out the string of you know what thus far has been a 2-8 and eight season, a disappointing year where we, would hope, we had hoped for some progress, we had hoped for a little bit better record, and at this point in time, you know, having gone 5-11 and 11 a year ago, the Giants are going to be very fortunate to match last season's victory total. We know what the rest of this season is about for the Giants. It's about whether or not we see some progress from the young players. It's about whether or not Pat Shermer and maybe even Dave Gettleman are the right long-term people to lead this team and lead this organization you know, if uh, if you know, God forbid, the Giants don't win another game this season, it's going to be hard for Gettleman and Shermer to uh, to make a case that they should stay on. Hopefully, we don't get to that point. I, I've said before, I think that uh, the Giants would really love to uh, to stay with Pat Shermer as head coach. They would really love to stay with Dave Gettleman as general manager. John Mara, Steve Tisch generally are a, a patient organization that doesn't like change, would rather build and and stay with people who they know have some stability. But you have to win. And, and we know that. The Mara family knows that. The Tisch family knows that. Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer know that. Over the final six weeks, there has to be some progress shown. You know, we've talked a lot about the idea of progress or improvement, you know, going all the way back to the spring, going back to Dave Gettleman and John Mara talking about that idea, about wanting to feel like, you know, by the end of of the 2019 season, wanting to feel like the Giants were on the right road, wanting to feel like things were pointed in the right direction. Right now, two and eight, couple of really disappointing losses, including one, you know, just uh, before the bye to the uh, to the New York Jets. You know, one that was really embarrassing for the Giants. You know, considering that the week prior the Jets had lost to the Miami Dolphins, game that was Miami's first win. I mean, this was a game that the Giants really should have won, didn't win it, but you know. Let's let's move on from that and talk about talk about the future. And we know that over these next six weeks, when we talk about progress, we talk about a lot of different things. We look at the defense, very, very young defense, several second year players, seven players drafted this year as rookies, six of whom are on the active roster, actually five when you consider that you know Ryan Connolly, rookie inside linebacker, is on IR. So we're looking at a group that we knew would struggle, we knew would have some growing pains, but hasn't really seemed to make the kind of progress you'd like to see them make. You know, through the first ten games, we've seen lots and lots of struggles in the secondary, lots of of questions about rookie cornerback DeAndre Baker at this point. We'd hope to see some development from Baker in terms of his understanding, in terms of 
of you know learning his assignments, learning his responsibilities, not committing quite so many penalties, doing a little bit better job in coverage. So we hope to see some progress there. Would be nice to see Julian Love play some as well over the final six games. See what the Giants get from cornerbacks Corey Ballantyne and Sam Beal. Hopefully the young defensive linemen like Dexter Lawrence and B.J. Hill can continue to develop. Maybe we'll see some signs of progress from third-round pick O'Shane Zimenez. On the offensive side of the ball, hopefully we will see a little bit better play from the offensive line. It's been a rough go over the past few weeks. Hopefully we will see, you know, from Pat Shermer and his offensive coaching staff, some progress in developing ways to get the ball to Saquon Barkley in space. Maybe some better ways to uh, to get matchups for Evan Ingram when he's healthy. You know, the Giants have been handicapped somewhat this season by injuries, obviously, to Barkley and, and Ingram and Shepard and by Golden Tate's suspension, but... We've been over it at Big Blue View a number of times, especially when it comes to Barkley, that we feel like there are times when the Giants don't use their best player very well, and that's not simply a matter of not getting him the ball. It's how they get him the ball. It's the type of situations in which he's handling the ball. And, and you know, we'd love to see some progress in, in Pat Shermer and the offensive coaching staff finding some better ways to, to create space for Saquon Barkley. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care how healthy he is. A player of Barkley's caliber should never, ever go through a 13-carry, one-yard performance like he did against the Jets. So hopefully we'll see some progress there. But realistically, you know, Pat Shermer knows. We all know. Dave Gettleman knows. John Mara knows. Realistically, progress comes down to the development of rookie quarterback Daniel Jones. We've said many, many times here on the show and in writing at Big Blue View that Pat Shermer and and Daniel Jones, their legacies are tied together. Shermer will succeed if Jones succeeds. Jones will not succeed unless Pat Shermer coaches him properly, unless Shermer uses him properly, unless Shermer uses the weapons around him properly, and unless the Giants continue to put additional pieces around Jones over the next couple of years. So those two guys are tied together. You know, you, you've listened to uh, to me talk about the things that we'd like to see from Jones. You've listened to and heard from quarterback guru Mark Schofield, who does some fantastic work for us and for several other places around SB Nation. You know, talk about his opinions about Jones, what he would like to see, and we will continue to give you as much as possible about, uh, you know, from Mark, from myself, from Chris Flum. But I thought that today, as we sort of turned the page and looked forward to the rest of the season, that we might get, you know, some, some opinions, some thoughts from another voice. So I turned to quarterback guru Tony Rassiopi, whose name you might remember because Tony happens to be the the off-season quarterback coach for former Giant quarterback Davis Webb. Tony has also worked with lots of quarterbacks through the Test Football Academy and the Manning Passing Academy quarterbacks from the high school level all the way through college and, and the NFL level. He's 
through the Manning Passing Academy. He has worked with Daniel Jones a little bit. So what I thought we would do is we'll talk to Tony about Daniel Jones' progress and about what he would like to uh, what he would like to see from Jones over the remainder of the season. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll play that interview for you with Tony Rassiopi. All right, Giants fans, I'm joined now by quarterback trainer Tony Rassiopi, who has worked with players from the high school level all the way through the NFL level, has some familiarity with Giants quarterback Daniel Jones from the Manning Passing Academy. Tony, thank you very much for joining me today. Of course, Ed. Thanks for having me. Hey, so obviously, you know, I, I, I asked you to come on. There's six games left in the Giants season. Sort of uh, take the temperature of, of Daniel Jones a little bit, you know, as he works his way through his first year with uh, with the Giants. I guess we need to start with with this, Tony. Where were you on Daniel? And I know you've got you know some background with him. Where were you on Daniel as far as his his ceiling? Maybe what you thought of him as a prospect, you know, coming out of Duke and when the Giants selected him. Uh, well, you know, obviously, I, you know, have experience with him. I, I got to work with him pretty good for four days at the Manning Passing Academy. And again, it's not just, you know, the quarterbacks up and team to throw the ball. Um, you spend all day with those guys. So you get to see the personality. You get to see them, how they interact with each other. You get to see their character a little bit. You get to see, uh, you know, their work ethic. You get to see and spend time with, with them just as people. So, you know, obviously, after doing that, um, I mean, for me, he checked every box. I mean, you know, he's a big kid. He's athletic. He can really spin the ball. Um, you know, uh, just just a class act. You know, again, you know, off the field, uh, you know, says all the right things. You know, he's a kid that you want to be uh, the leader of your franchise. So I was very high on him. You know, get, I, you know, I could I could see him going in the first round, which obviously he did. Um, you know, he worked with uh, David Morris, who's uh, from quarterback country, who's a really good coach. So obviously, having Coach Cutliffe for college and then going to David and train for the draft to improve the fundamentals and uh, from the time I saw him over the summer. So I'm not surprised one bit that he went as high as he did. So with that said, obviously, you know, he had a great preseason. He had a great spring, great summer, you know, sort of raised expectations when, the you know, the Giants put him in after two games. And, you know, for background, Tony, because I don't think you and I have talked about this and, where the Giants were at that point, I guess I supported that decision to, to go to Jones as young as the Giants are uh, all the way around and, and where they are franchise-wise. What are your just some overall thoughts on, on, you know, on what you've seen from Daniel you know, at, at this point? I think it's eight games into his, uh, into his NFL career. Sure. I, I think that um, you know, obviously uh, I'm one of the biggest uh... – you know, man, fans out there, obviously, spending a lot of time with family, got to know them really well over the seven years I've done the camp. So, you know, I, I was, you know, for me emotionally, I was, I was definitely torn between, obviously, you know, him finishing his career the way he did and obviously Daniel getting a shot. So, I, I, you know, I totally understand the decision. Obviously, most people do that know football. Um, I, I think, you know, I think the season he had kind of, I, I expected what was going to happen, right? So there's, there's some great stuff going on. That, you know, he's made some big-time throws. Obviously, the athleticism, the scrambling, extending plays, some zone read stuff, some RPO stuff. You know, I, I expected that to be seen in the offense, and that was kind of his strengths, obviously, at Duke. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, taking care of the football, right, forcing throws at times, 
gambling at times. Um, you know, those are things he's going to have to learn. You know, and then a lot of times, you know, the only way you can you can really develop your clock, and we talk about a clock like when you drop in the pocket, right? Is is how much time do I have back there with the ball in my hand? The only way you can really develop that clock at that level is by playing. I mean, that you can take all the practice reps you want, but a lot of times we're in red jerseys for a reason to practice as quarterbacks, and that's that means stop. You know, nobody can touch us. So, you know, the the live reps you you can't simulate that any other way. So. You know, I, I think he's shown some, um, some glimpses of, of spectacular at times, and I think he's shown some things where it's like a oh, rookie move, you know. So um, I look for him to just keep improving. Obviously, you know, he's got a nice, young, talented team around him. Um, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I always tell people this, the quarterback's going to be successful for the piece, and that's usually, you know, protection one, right? It's, it's time in the pocket. The second thing is, is personnel you know, who's around them, and the last thing is the play caller. You know, so usually those three things, if a quarterback gets those three things, they're going to be pretty successful for the most part and consistent. If you don't have those three things, you're going to see, you know, good things, good quarters, good games, and, and obviously inconsistent bad quarters and bad games at times. So, you know, you, you mentioned it. You, you talked a little bit, Tony, about the clock in the head of the, of the quarterback. And I think, you know, we – the big area of concern for Daniel has to be the fumbles. I think that that with a with a rookie quarterback, I don't know if you agree, but you kind of live with with mistakes in decisions, sure. maybe sure. getting fooled by a coverage once in a while. I think the concern for me, you know, for for anyone that that follows the Giants, it is the fumbling and and. I'm just going to explain kind of the way that I look at it and and, okay. and see if you agree. I look at it like if there is a fundamental issue, you know, with the way he's holding the ball, with the ball security, you know, with with just the pocket mechanics, I look at that as fixable. What I worry about is what you talked about is the clock, is the instinct for understanding when he's under pressure when he really needs to kind of fold his cards and just make sure that he holds on to the ball. And if, can I give you a quick example was the fumble. Sure. He, the, there was a, the fumble, the Jamal Adams play the other day against the Jets. Okay. Yep. When you, when, when you look at that play, what really, really concerned me about that play was the fact that right before Jamal Adams hit him, he took his left hand off the football. Right, and, and, and that and that bothered me just because it, it made me wonder if he really sensed how much trouble he was in there. Okay. Uh, under, yeah, I, I agree 100%. Remember the play. Um, and like you said, I, you know, I think, you know, in, internally, I, I think you develop that clock over time. I agree 100% with the fundamental side of things. You know, keep your two hands on the ball, keep your eyes downfield, sealing things. I think the other thing, too, as a quarterback, it's really understanding protections and um, understanding where, where my strength is in that protection and in understanding my weakness, you know, whether it's, you know, a running back on a linebacker or, or you know, the full slide protection, which usually means the, um, you know, the tight end or the running back is going to fit off the tackle to the backside, which you can match up right at defensive end on, on those two guys most of the time. So kind of understanding as I'm getting downfield, right, and I'm looking at my one and my progression, if, if you know, obviously if that's open, he's done a good job, like, if you watch the majority of their film, he's done a great job. If, if one's open, he doesn't miss often. You know, he's got really good mechanics, you know, and, he, and he's got first-round talent. So, you know, very often, is, you know, rarely does he miss one. 
you know, a lot of times, you know, he gets to two, and then right between two and three, usually that's when the clock kind of happens, right? So you can tell with a quarterback um, if they're reading progressions because usually, you know, whether it's, it's a rhythm drop and then the first hitch, which usually means, a, you know, a hitch is either a shuffle up or like a hop. You know, usually that means they're looking at one. If, if they get to that second hop or shuffle up, usually that means they're going to two in the progression. And usually between two and three, kind of where, where steps gets a little hairy. So, you know, a lot of times um, coaches are teaching quarterbacks, you know, usually after, after you get to three, that stuff's breaking down. Somebody's getting beat, someone's getting pushed. And that's usually where you've got to get out of the pocket, escape, you know, look to make a play downfield or find your check down immediately. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, him understanding those protections, understanding if, if it's a scat protection in the NFL, which means, you know, we're sending five guys out. It's, you know, my, my five guys up front are going to block five guys top. So, you know, if it's six, I'm not going to get the ball out of my hands. Or if it's seven man, I got a tight end chipping, you know, the defensive end. I got the back staying in, looking backer. If the backer doesn't come, I'm chipping the right end. You know, um, I get a little more time here, you know, so I can, I can kind of move a little bit in the pocket, maybe work a second window throw, you know, so the first window's covered. I have a little time to wait and throw the dig in the next window. You know, that, that's all stuff that I, hopefully you see the progression in that. So you do feel like that sort of pocket awareness is something that, that can be developed over time then? Absolutely. And, and I think that – um you know, I think that running a system, um, you get more comfortable stuff, you know. So, and I got this, you know, from Eli Manning over the years, and it's something I, you know, I work with all the quarterbacks that I work with. It's, you know, within each concept, each throw is different, right? So sometimes in a certain concept, a first window dig throw might be on a line. Well, in this concept, it might be the second guy, which means it might be the second window or over a linebacker. And just understanding, you know, within each play, where each guy's going to get the ball and what kind of throw it's going to be. And, and understanding if it's not there, you know, like you said, check it down, get the second and short, get the third and short. And um, I, I think that's the biggest thing he'll learn, especially on the early downs, is get the ball out of your hand. You watch, you know, you, you turn on the Patriots film and you watch Tom Brady a lot of times, uh, first and second down, you know, he, he comes off a of play action or, or a, a quick drop. And, and if it's not something downfield, the alert, that's there, the home run shot, he's, you know, the ball's to the running back or the tight end or one of those slot guys for five, six yards, and he's, you know, he's sitting in the second and three. And I, I don't think, you know, I didn't see many third and shorts last game, right, if, if, you know, any at all. So, obviously, you know, third and seven plus in the NFL, that's where you get all those exotic fronts and coverages and, uh, and blitzes and all the stuff that's just going to try to confuse you. There you go. And, and, you know, that leads me to something that something else that we need to talk about. And that's you mentioned play calling. You mentioned, you know, the different sort of tools around a quarterback. And we know that Daniel hasn't really had his, his full complement of weapons. I don't think Saquon Barkley's been healthy, you know, most of most of the season. Evan Ingram's been in and out of the lineup. You know, right. Golden Tate was suspended. Sterling Shepard's been out of the lineup more than he's been in it. So, you know, those are those are what they are. The thing that I think is really going to determine the Giants' future over the next couple of years is really the relationship at this point between Jones and, and Pat Shermer. And, yes. you know, I think, you know, Shermer's future is tied to, to Daniel at this point. And... 
just you know, looking at it from the outside, and I'm, and I'm not going to ask you to assess every single play call or everyone that that I might have disagreed with, but just sure. looking at it, you know, from where you sit, how do you see that relationship at this point? You know, would you as would you feel good about it if you were a Giants fan? Um, you know, I I think that you know, at the end of the day, you said it best. Like, you know, like his. Those two are, are, are really married and are tied right now. So I, I think that, you know, I think if you look at Pat Shermer's career, especially as a play caller, and I got to know Pat a little bit at the Manning Passing Academy. He was there when he was still with the Vikings, when he was an assistant before he got the Giants job. And uh, I know, you know, I son Kyle pretty well from obviously being down there. So I think that, you know, if you look at his career, it's been high percentage passes. Quarterbacks have had really good seasons. You know, so I mean, that's, that's really, you know, at the end of the day, Guys get head jobs because they were really, really good at something for the most part. And, and, you know, that was Pat's strength, you know. So his strength was was developing quarterbacks and and his quarterbacks having really solid, consistent seasons. You know, high percentage passes, high completion percentage, um, you know, good amount of yards, touchdowns, red zone stuff, play action, taking shots. I mean, you know, you you said it best. I mean, it's really – from a play calling standpoint, I'm I'm okay with what they've done. You know, for the most part, I mean, obviously, we're no nobody's thrilled, but you know, when you don't have all your toys, it's it's hard. You know, so and again, you know, like I, you know, I know Evan Ingram well, I know Saquon well, I know you know Sterling Shepard well. They're they're guys who I've worked with in the past year, um, and, and they're they're friends of mine. You know, so I, I talk to them on a, on a daily basis. I mean, not having those guys all together, it's, it's been tough. You know, so and it's, and especially. You know, Sterling. You know, like I, you know, I watched obviously the uh, Tampa Bay game and, and watched a lot of the All Twenty Two. And you know, people ask me like, you know, why why did he play? He played so well for his first game. And if you watch that tape, I mean, Sterling Shepard is creating like six yards of separation from you know the nickel whoever's covering him. You know, third and seven, third and nine, third and four. You know, like all the big time situational stuff. You know, red zone. You know, where they played some man free, and they you know Sherman did a nice job putting him in as number three in the trips look. So he's, you know, he's manned up on, you know, a safety, you know, so, um, you know, those kind of things, you know, like not be able to run the ball. Right. So play action games kind of out, you know, obviously Saquon, you know, last year had, had a great year as far as, you know, catches and yards on the other neat stuff. Um, you know, I, it's going to be interesting because, you know, if, if they could put the full team together, right. Healthy and develop the quarterback. I mean, they should be pretty good. I mean, you know, obviously the tackles have not had a great year this year, you know, from a protection standpoint, um, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, if, if they could put the best guys out there together, right, and develop Daniel, you know, we, we should be sitting out in a pretty good situation next year. That is what uh, what Giants fans are hoping for. It, it's painful right now because I think everyone would agree that that you'd like to see a couple more victories. You'd like to see a little bit more on-field progress, but in some ways it really is for the Giants all about 2020 and beyond. So last question for you, Tony, you know, the Giants have six games left. I mean, what, we, we may have already covered it, but what, if anything, would you really like to see from Daniel, you know, over the final six games, you know, that shows us some progress? Well, I, I think that, you know, you should, um, of, of, of things that, you know, if I'm a fan, and I, and I am, you know, like, I'm, I'm a Jersey guy, so, you know, uh, you know, I'm a Giants Jets guy, you know, you want those guys to do well, it's, you know, the state just feels better, the, the Mondays feel better, <laughs> those guys win, so, um, you know, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, 
he he's shown glimpses. He does a great job at trusting receivers. You know, he's he's, he's made plays with his feet. Um, you know, he's fired balls and windows on third downs and really tight spots. Um, you know, just more consistent stuff, more better decision making. And at the end of the day, you know, if 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 you take the fumbles out of the equation, I think it's been a pretty good year, right? Like for him. You know, obviously we want to win more and, and you know, whatever two and seven, wherever they're they're at right now, it's not where remotely where they want to be at all. But you know, if if you learn to take care of the ball a bit better, speed his clock up a little bit, understand protections, understand if it's a seven man, if it's max, or if it's five, you know, how to move in the pocket, get the ball out, take your check down in early downs to get ahead of the sticks and uh, you know, get in the red zone and make some plays. You know, he he he's he's tough in the red zone because he throws a great fade ball. He trusts his receivers, but at the same time, he can move, you know. So, you know, a lot of teams that, you know, when you get inside that 20, like to play man, like to play man free. Well, you know, you second-guess it because he can he can run. So, you know, the worst thing you can do is have those linebackers follow, you know, tight ends and running backs out of the backfield, and all of a sudden he takes off on quarterback draws or, or understands and sees the middle kind of open up and take off. So, you know, I, I, I think, you know, he's going to work knowing him. You know, he's, he's going to get after it. He's going to study. He's going to – study himself you know a lot of times you know as you get through the season you really you see your own tendencies right so you know I mean that's not that's another conversation for another day but usually you know you see the second year either you see a big jump by a guy because of all the experience he has or sometimes you know you have that sophomore slump because now there's there's a season of film on you that defense coordinators have and they're going to break down all your tendencies how you throw to the left how you hitch in a pocket are you a patter with you know your top hand patting on the ball you know like um you know, what your weaknesses are, really, and they're going to try to obviously, you know, work towards those things. So, you know, I'm excited for them. You know, I'm excited for that. You know, they're a young team, so you just you look for progression, right? You look for, you know, two and seven. Hopefully, next year they're sitting at seven, two or eight and one, or or nine and zero. Oh, so, all right, Tony, thank you very much for uh, for spending some some time with us. If you want to let people know, you know, where they can find you on Twitter and uh, what you've got going on, uh, go ahead. Uh, thanks, Ed. Well, I appreciate you having me. It's always fun to talk ball. Um, so Twitter, I'm Tony Raz, T-O-N-Y, Raz, R-A-Z-Z-0-3. Um, that's, my, uh, that's my handle. So, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm up at Test Football Academy, which is in Martinsville, New Jersey, where, uh, you know, again, I train high school kids, college kids from, from the Northeast for the most part, and then obviously uh, guys for the NFL draft as well as, as NFL guys. So, uh, you know, look for us, check us out. You know, we do a great job, obviously, with combine stuff. So, um you know, December, January, February, you know, we'll definitely have some guys kind of popping it out. You'll, you'll see uh, get trapped. So thanks again, all right? All right, thanks, Tony. All right, Giants fans, our thanks to Tony Rassiope for joining us, for uh, giving us his insights into rookie quarterback Daniel Jones. We'll have plenty of, uh, of shows for you the rest of the week as we get ready for the, uh, the Chicago Bears. Please also, if you haven't listened to it, on whatever your favorite podcast application is, check out the the show that we posted on Sunday with former NFL Executive of the Year Jeff Diamond as he spoke about the job that Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer have done, what their futures might be, what the Giants' future might be, his thoughts on Daniel Jones as well. That I thought was a uh, was an excellent, uh, excellent, insightful interview. You know, from someone who has sat in the in the chair of having to make decisions about an NFL team, about an NFL roster, about NFL coaches. So hopefully if you haven't listened to that, I hope that you will. 
All right, Giants fans, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.